This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church, welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. I really want us to get into this question today, Pastor Michael. In your experience, which theological points have you seen misused or misunderstood the most by believers? And there's a bunch. It didn't take us long to come up with a list. No. And clearly, we could go on this answer for quite a long time, but we're going to limit ourselves to just a few. Yep. Few meaning six. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There could be 66. Yeah. Six, six, six. Ah, ah, ah. Okay. Number one, health and wealth, uh, which is a fundamental misunderstanding of the Old Testament and the New Testament. First of all, let me just say this. Health and wealth is dumb. Okay, good. So uh, (laughs) elaborate a little bit more than that. Yeah. Whenever, I mean, basically like if you're not healthy and wealthy, then that's because of sin. God's will is for everyone to be healthy and wealthy. We'll say that to Jesus and Paul and the disciples and every person who's ever been executed for the faith in Jesus Christ and and starving people in different countries who are praying to God to provide. And it's not because of sin, whatever. It's an American Western uh, lie for swindlers to make money, yep. exploit the poor. That's right. um, and that's basically all it is. It's a big game. But that being said, it's easy to understand why Christians can be so easy to deceive. Because at the core, and we, we gosh, we've talked about this extensively in this mm-hmm. podcast, yes, but I'll just have. go at it very simply. At the core, it is a misunderstanding of how to understand promises that God makes to Old, Old Covenant, Old Testament yep. Israel. And God can look at the nation of Israel and say, if you do X, I will do Y. Yeah. And that's I will fair bless you. I will that. care for you. I will pour out my blessings on right. you. Yes. And the big reason is why? Well, because Israel existed to prepare a culture and a context for the Messiah. That's so right. God had an investment in preserving this nation so they could fulfill their purpose of producing the Messiah. Got it. Good. So once the Messiah came, that purpose was done. So All of these promises of prosperity and whatnot were legit for Old Testament people. In the New Testament, the promise is not for prosperity, but for suffering. It's a very different age because it's a very different purpose that the people of God function in. And so you will not find anywhere in the New Testament health and wealth verses. You will notice that health and wealth preachers always take promises made to the nation of Israel and and then apply them to the church. And that is not the way that God works. So Jesus comes on the scene and he says, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you and all these ideas that are very counter what God promised to Israel. And so part of why Jesus came was also to fulfill the promises, but to prepare for a completely new way and, and, and mission that God has. Now the Messiah has come, the light is of Israel. The gospel is going to go to the entire world. God's emphasis is not just the nation of Israel. Now it is all of the world. And it's a very different mission. So that being said, I would say health and wealth, which basically comes down to um, a misapplication of those verses. It's sort of like, here's my analogy. It's like, I went to my kid and I said to my son, you can have my inheritance when I die. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then right. your son hears that and, and says, says, I oh, want it. Yeah. Pastor Michael said that I could have his inheritance when I die. No, no. That promise was to my son, right. not to you mm-hmm. at all. Right. I have a very different relationship with sure. you than I do with my own son. Yep. And so it's just a misapplication of a promise made to a specific group of people over and over and over again. That being okay. said, number two, number two, a low, a low view, view of God's providence. Like, 
you're sitting there, what are you doing? What are you up to? A lack of trust in God and his yep. plan. And I think one of the most freeing statements is God has ordained, allowed, or permitted all things. That's God, right. He's not like willy-nilly like, what's going on? You know, God world? doesn't throw his hands up and says, oh my, I never saw that coming. Yep. Just understanding God is completely in control, Yeah. which changes how you suffer. Right. It's not like your suffering was like, whoops. Yeah, I've just neglected you for a minute. I mean, I was going to the bathroom and then all of a sudden Satan got involved and now you're suffering. <laughs> Not how it works. And so I think sometimes we just, we, we see God as aloof or distant. Yeah. And sometimes depression can make us feel like God is far yep. and disinterested yep. and doesn't like us or whatever. And and uh, those just aren't true. So a low view of God's sovereignty and control, intimate control over life. And there's Christians that would never say that, mm -hmm. but they live it. That is the way they live their life as if God is aloof. God yep. is distant. And they will sometimes say, you know, I pray and it seems like my prayer only, it never makes it out of the room. My yep. prayer never gets above the ceiling. Well, I understand you might feel that, mm -hmm. but that's not true. God's presence is with you always and everywhere yep. you go. Amen. Number three would be a hyper overemphasis. On yeah, Satan's overemphasis. Power. Like he's almost deity like. Yeah. He's not. He's a finite, contained being right. with limited capacity and limited knowledge. Right. And sometimes Christians think and they function as if Satan can read their mind and Satan yep. can do so much and yep. anything which is just not true. Biblically, we know that he is limited. His influence in this world is limited by God. Hmm. His influence and his control of circumstances in our life are controlled by God. Yep. And Job tells us that. Job clearly shows us that only what God permits can Satan do. And why Why does this harm people? Because they live in fear. They live in fear that Satan's going to get them. Yeah. And, and if Satan even like just like roars a little bit, they're like, ah. Oh, you know, my. And oh it's my. like, no, you stand toe to toe with him. You resist him and he flees. Number four would be second baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, my. This, I think, has been so devastating to so many people because – when you become a Christian, you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Right. Everybody. The, the Holy Spirit is poured into you yes. instantly. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 12. Now you have all been baptized into one spirit. Good. Yeah. Got it. Great. So everybody's baptized into one spirit. Totally understand it. There's one spirit baptism. It happens yep. when you're saved, forgiven, That's justified, right. redeemed, et cetera. So that happens, right? And then over the last, we'll say, 150, 120 years, a newer doctrine has come out that there is a second, second baptism, baptism marked by the speaking of tongues, yep. which is so frustrating because their main point is that if you receive a second baptism, which is where you become effective spiritually, then yep. you will necessarily be able to speak, speak in, tongues, in tongues, some sort of gibberish language. Other than the fact that that's not what tongues means, that's a different podcast. Yeah. The Bible clearly teaches not all speak in tongues. Yeah, Paul clearly said that. First Corinthians 12, First Corinthians yeah. 14. It's like, I wish that all of you would, but you all don't. Everybody doesn't speak in tongues. That's just not how it works. So, right. So what happens is that in charismatic circles, uh, some AG backgrounds, Foursquare, Pentecostals especially, mm -hmm, right. they create caste systems functionally. And if you don't speak in tongues, then you don't you're, have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's right. You're, you're a lower you. caste. Yeah. You might go to heaven, but barely. Yeah. And if you want to be effective, you need to be able to speak in a gibberish language that nobody can understand. Yeah. Which is ironic to me that the God of order would tell people you can only, we'll say, be fruitful in the spiritual realm if you function in this disorderly language yeah. that nobody can understand. 
I would just say that I've watched that personally create a spiritual caste system. Oh, yeah. I have yet to meet somebody who speaks in tongues, believes in a second baptism of the Holy Spirit that does not believe they're more spiritually They, they think they're, they're in a higher state of yes. Christianity. Let's go to the fifth one. Do not judge. Yeah, yeah. It's not the place of Christians to judge. How many times have we heard that? It's a load of crap. I mean, it's like, my goodness, Am we, I grumpy we today? do. I think I just got hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! Uh, crazy judgment it, it, starts with the house of God. Like we're like, why are we ignoring these Bible verses? Here's the reality. Yeah. Okay. The culture says Christians are so judgy, and so Christians who don't read the Bible will be like, we don't judge. Here's what they mean. They mean we don't condemn. Well, we, we don't have a do, judgmental <laughs> attitude. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Don't have a critical attitude. Don't be don't be judgmental on others. Right. But but you do have to be discerning. You do have to judge. Right. So I judge. I'm judging. We do that all, all the time. I, I look at my behavior or other people's behavior and I compare it to the word of God and I discern whether or not it is consistent. We are called to judge. Here's what we're not called to do. And this is where I think some of the issues come. The issues come because we are not allowed to judge or meaning look down upon or cast a conclusive determination on someone's life or soul who's not a Christian. Christians have no place in judgment That's right. on non-Christians. Christians do have not just permission, but a mandate to judge other Christians. It does not mean that we are arrogant. It does not mean that we condemn them. It does not mean we look down on them. There are a number of people who claim the name of Jesus, want to do what they want to do, and then a Christian says, hey, that's sin, and then they mm -hmm. say, you're judgmental. No, they're discerning, and they're obeying God's word to help you understand that. Now, if the Christian goes to the Christian who's sinning with arrogance and condemnation, right. that becomes sin and, quote, quote, judgmental. Yeah. But are we supposed to judge? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do we judge non-Christians? No. no. And so when people say Christians are so judgmental, here's what they mean. They're condemning. Yeah. That's what they mean. And unfortunately, that is true. Yep. Sometimes Christians have the worst critical attitude of any religion there is in the world. Which drives me. Yeah. Number six, being a Christian without church. Oh, my goodness. I've heard that so many times. Mm. I can be a good Christian without going to church. Yep. Now, if you're listening and you're this person, I love you. Yeah, we okay? do. Our goal is not to like necessarily, uh, not necessarily, our goal is not to like mock you the goal here is to say this is really frustrating because right. even the fact that you know about jesus is because of the church that's right because the church has fulfilled the mission yeah. in your life of the gospel sharing the gospel yeah so a good understanding of the church says this jesus loves the church it's yep. the bride of christ it is imperfect yep the church is overseen by elders the church has elders and deacons as leaders the church has a mission and for Jesus to follow him and not be connected vibrantly in a church, it's an oxymoron. It is. Everything that we've talked about so far, health and wealth would definitely be the number one, like worst of yeah. the worst, yeah. right? Yeah. That's like totally destructive because it makes God your genie. Yeah. But being a Christian without church, I think is number two. It is one yeah, of the I think so destructive too. ideas and it's really popular among young people right now. To say I'm spiritual, I'm even a Christian, but I don't like the church. It is like non-Christians hear that and, and they're like, yeah, 
Like, I like that, which of course they do yeah, because they already have a cultural notion of what the church is developed in their brain by the pop culture machine. What Jesus wants to do is build healthy churches That's and right. increase people's perception of the church because it's his bride. I am concerned with my bride. I'm yep. concerned how That's people right. think of Brienne. I want her to look good. I want people to think highly of her. I don't like when people um say, oh, you know, I like Michael, but I don't like his wife. Or I like, oh my. like, I like yeah. your wife, but I don't like Michael. Like no bride. Or spouse yeah, no would way. ever want to hear their spouse talked about like that. And yet we go out and we're like, oh, yeah, I don't like Jesus as a spouse, but I like Jesus. How could you possibly say that or think that? And truth be known, historically, the church it has had problems. It still has <laughs> problems. The, that was the biggest understatement yeah, in the right. history. Of so the, let's admit it. Historically, yeah. the church has had problems. <laughs> Just the way you said it was Do you so love funny. It? I was I I enjoyed that. And, and the thing of it is, we have to we have to come to grips with that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you know we have problems too. Yeah. Our wives have problems. We still love them. Yeah. And by the way, you have problems, and people are not like you know. I like humanity, but I don't like. Well, I don't like you. Yeah. Or like you know, I like you guys, but I don't like your kids. But now I also understand. Like there are some people who cannot go back to the church that they came from because it's I totally straight get that. up. Yep. Jacked. Like yep. it's crazy. And the truth is, the church has hurt people. And maybe this person oh, yeah. that feels this way has been hurt by a church. But, you know, I've been hurt by people. Have and you been he, hurt by the church? I've been hurt by the church. I've been hurt by the church. But I still love the church. And we move on because the church is the bride of Christ. Yep. And if we are, have trusted Jesus as our Savior, we need to connect with the local church because that is his instrument to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, can I tell you what I love? So this group of Christians who are like, ah, I'm just done with the church. So it is mm. flourished a church planting movement. Yeah. Which so this so let's get positive for a moment, yeah, right? Yeah, let's do that. So many churches that have seen the way the American cultural church system has developed and worked, and they're like, you know what? It's really dysfunctional. Mm. It's mm. really unhelpful. The yeah. culture is ugly, and they're really obsessed with their own preferences. Yeah. So a whole movement of church planting has happened around building. Well, I understand people don't like this, but building churches for unchurched people. Mm -hmm. I think what they're trying to say is this. We're just going to do this very differently. Yeah. We're going to, we're not going to do it like you used to do it. If you're not a Christian, you may not be able to become a member, but you should be able to come into our church and not, and not like have people look down on you and treat you like terribly. You shouldn't have to come into a church. And because you wear a hat or you don't look the certain way in the middle of service, that someone's going to come take it off your head and rebuke you. You know, like you shouldn't have to worry about some of that. So like, there are just this generation of young pastors, uh, young Christians who are like, I feel like I love the church in theory, mm, mm-hmm, but yeah. I have no positive experience. I think we could do this better. Yeah. And you know what I would look at them and say? Then do it better. Then do it better. Thank and you I for am sure the church. Jesus is big enough to say, you know what? I like diversity in my church. Absolutely. So I, I, I applaud the many, 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 many people who, although they've been wounded and hurt and they are jaded, they have not let that win and they are doing something new and better and they are reaching a whole generation of people that the established American evangelical church is utterly failing at doing because we love our tradition yeah. and we love our yeah. preferences. So that that's being right. said, that's you know my little rant here. But I just so my heart breaks for people who are like, yeah, you know, I, I like Jesus, but it's just me and him. It's you know, and that's unfortunately it's a wrong theological understanding. Right. So these six things, and I'm sure our audience heard this in our tone, like have been the source of much frustration for you and I. Absolutely. But here's why. It's not because necessarily the people 
who are in these things are bad. Not at all. Nope. It's frustrating because of how much pain these things cause. That's right. And a lot of people are victims to, we'll say, they've only heard one perspective mm -hmm. and it makes sense and they haven't necessarily broadened some of their horizons or seen what scripture teaches. And I, I honestly, I can't hold them totally responsible for all that because I can't know what I don't know. Right. And yet I'm frustrated that there are like with the health and wealth movement, swindlers mm -hmm. exploiting people, That's right. giving them half truths, which is no truth. So, you know, I just, uh, my heart is sad because, you know, part of the question is how have you seen this basically hurt people, yeah. be harmful to them? All of these are harmful oh, in absolutely. unique ways. They are very harmful to yep. people. And our, our energy around this really is simply about this. I hate seeing people get harmed yeah. by these bad interpretations and applications. That's right. The church could be so much yeah, clearer and better. But this is what Jesus said. There's going to be swindlers. There'll be false teachers. There yep. will be, even amongst good teachers and preachers, there's going to be wrong interpretations and applications. And, and this is why we need to be quadruply diligent in how we study and teach, how we do this podcast. That's right. Because we want to teach good doctrine and right application That's right. in our cultural context. To and be helpful. To be helpful. Yeah. Digital and shareable helps too. So, there we yeah, go. There we go. All right. Listeners, we thank you for joining us today. Please come back next time when we answer the question, can Satan or a demon possess any non-believer they want to at any time?